2: Grief. <laughs> anyway, listen
0: to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch
1: Or don't, we really don't care We're probably going to win a million awards either way <laughs> Chris, we do care, so don't say that Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs>
2: 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks
2: Our man, Jason Goff Three
1: times a week with Jason Goff
2: His mood is elevated,
0: <laughs> he is feeling good Jason, I'm loving the full go Love full go with the, the full go The full go
2: The full go
1: Welcome to a Full Go with Jason Goff That
2: is what I'm talking about What up world, you're listening to the Full Go with Jason Goff Presented by the Ringer A Spotify original Yeah going on the NBA goddamn finals is what's going on that's what's going on hey uh welcome to the full goal podcast this is episode 111 I believe am I right am I right yeah just yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tony Gill the fellas are on the zoom call on the pod hanging out we are taping this literally seconds after game one of the NBA Finals just wrapped up and uh I'll just say this um socks loss <laughs> And uh the the Cubs won today, right? They hit a whole bunch of home runs, solo shots, four, I believe, you know, Wilson Contreras and the boys, Ian have Pretty much watching Cubs baseball right now is like, okay, how awesome is Wilson Contreras? And oh, by the way, he will not be a Cub, you know, was it, you know, up in the air at at, at best. Um and the Sox, listen, man, any any team that's batting Larry Garcia in the one hole and Johan Mankata in the three hole. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Cool, Tony. (laughs) If that's how you want to play it, it, it's your world squirrel. I'm I'm not going to argue with it. You know why? Because you guys are going to hear an amazing interview. uh, And it's only because of the actual subject. Uh, Jason Benetti mentioned something uh, and you'll hear it. He mentioned something about bringing joy to people's homes. And and that really stuck with me. It really stuck with me because I'm going to start bringing more joy to my home, which is um, stop focusing so much on average baseball. Uh, on this podcast. Uh, it has brought no joy to this home. Uh, night joy is dead. Um, afternoon joy is, is dead. Um, you know, and, and I'm in a, in a pretty you know new relationship here. Right. So I can't just be walking around here joyless. So, uh, socks, cubs, y'all, y'all ain't going to get that out of me today because I was waiting all damn day, all damn day. Like, I was doing shit that I don't normally do today, Tony and Jesse. I was I was being helpful around the crib. You know, I I drove a U-Haul truck today. You know, I felt like a manly man today, you know? Pull up on the movers, looked at them like, everything cool over here, fellas? You know, you got to put the extra voice, bass in your voice, you know? Fellas, fellas look, yeah, we cool. You cool? Yeah, I'm cool. You cool? All right, lift that piano because that's what we're paying you to do. You know what I mean? I felt like I was getting shit done today because I knew was what was getting ready to happen tonight. That's game one of the NBA Finals. And it is a national holiday. I don't Mm -hmm. care who you are, what you are. If you ain't down with the NBA Finals, then you're missing out. And I'm not even, 10, 15 years ago, I used to try to sell the sport that I cared about to people. Nah, you cool. (laughs) If, If you don't like it, that's on you. You know, enjoy whatever else you need out there. But I'm gonna tell you right now, especially when you don't know the principal characters, And we don't know these Boston Celtics because there's no finals experience on the squad. I picked the Celtics to win this thing in seven. Series ain't over. And if you're listening to this thing tonight or the day after, you already know the Boston Celtics win 120 to 108 over the Golden State Warriors. And from a Chicago standpoint, from a Bulls fan standpoint, that's what it looks like. That's what taking a punch, you know, for for two years now, I've heard Billy Donovan. Talk about toughness in some very measured terms, right? Like you know when a coach is uh, saying, hey, we gotta, we gotta next play it, right? We gotta be about the next play. We gotta, we gotta make sure uh that, that we're not too worried about the offense and missing shots. We gotta take another team's best punch. We gotta hit first. Guess who don't say that? Teams who are in this position because they've done it all year long. Now, you may hear it on the mic'd up situation here and there, but that's already ingrained in them. So all it is is a reminder of what got you here, The Chicago Bulls were cool this year to watch. It was amazing to watch the story of DeMar DeRozan unfold right before. Zach Levine did some shit this year that I don't think he's going to get enough credit for because now, going forward, it's going to be maxed out, Zach, right? So the expectations and the conversations around him are going to be a little bit different. This last year, playing through those injuries, um, what he did for Team USA and what that did for him as, as far as his standing in the league, like a lot of really good things happened for him and DeMar. And, you know, guys took steps forward. Expectations rose a little bit, but it's a different animal on that court tonight. There's 26 dudes who are lining up that have played through injury, that have that have um, gotten over some insurmountable odds. Let's face it. I mean, Clay Thompson not playing for 900 some odd days of basketball and coming out here and even being a part of this thing, not just, not, not just the dagger in the final game in the Western Conference finals, but being a part of this thing is amazing to watch. I, I remember Dominique Wilkins as a Boston Celtic and was like, yo, he's not supposed to be doing this, but he's old now. And of course he's got the Achilles. Like Dominique was one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player during his era. So, watching these dudes and understanding what they've been through and then watching them go up against that Boston Celtics team where nobody knows how anybody's going to respond because nobody's been in this position before on that squad. It is amazing to watch. That was, that was a beautiful fucking performance tonight. Like, I enjoyed every minute of it. Steph Curry coming out and putting it on the line like, yo, this is who I am. Six threes in your face in the first quarter. And all of a sudden, you look up, they're only down five, six points. Like, that shit takes something. It takes something because Marcus Smart and them boys were, for some reason, losing Steph Curry on the perimeter. Like, I don't know how that happens. And, the, and you know, this is uh, shout out to Emei Udoka, too, because his I don't give a shit who you are kind of attitude early on in this season is the reason why he could talk to those dudes in a measured tone when everything is frantic around this game. One of the NBA finals, Emei Udoka is like, yo, I got I've been around championships before. I, I know how this is supposed to go. So let's go out there and do what we got to do. Like, this tonight was a great, it was great theater from moment one. You know, y'all, y'all, y'all push Journey out there. My man from Journey. Was it Neil Schoen, the guitar player? Yeah. Because when I think the Bay, when I think San Francisco and Oakland, you know, I, I think Mac Dre, I think E-40, I think Keek the Sneak, I think, you know, I think a lot of Duke, Too, too short, short, of course. You know, yeah, of course. Course, shout out to Short Dog, right? I think all the, I think Sway, right? You know, I think a lot of people, and, and then my mind, you know, then maybe goes to the guitars from Journey. Uh, okay, so we are already starting out. my ass is itching a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> just, the spidey sense is tingling. Yeah, like, uh, Josiah said they gentrified the anthem. hundred <laughs> percent, right? Because. Shout out to it being black territory and then being (laughs) gentrified, right? Like, (laughs) that's hilarious. It's like triple entendre. Don't ask me how, right? But I start there, and then we get into the game. of steps on fire. Marcus Smart is going under screens as if he isn't the DPOI, right? And I'm like, man, they're about to find out who they are really quickly. And we saw it as Bulls fans this year. The Celtics went from the team that I thought the Bulls would have the best shot against in the first round to the best team in the NBA that nobody really wanted to talk about. And you know why they didn't want to talk about him in that manner? Because of what you saw tonight. Jason Tatum, of any star player, is more likely to have that kind of game and us be like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, like, like, it's 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 weird that it's not like expected, but it's like, okay. I understand if if Jason Tatum's gonna score twelve points in the finals in Game One and you win, then yeah, that I, I dig it. I understand. You know why? Because Jalen Brown, right? <laughs> Jalen Brown, like Jalen Brown. I and I, I'm, I don't want to overstate this, right? But Jalen Brown. I hope to kids who are like ten, eleven years old in Boston. Uh, one, I hope he's you know. The, a sterling figure of what a young African-American man can <laughs> feel and look like in the city of Boston. That's what I hope he is first to those kids. And then, second, <laughs> and then secondly, I hope Jalen Brown is their Scotty Pippen, man. Like, Jalen Brown, everything that he did tonight, and especially early on in that game because you could tell early on like Jason Tatum was very okay with giving up the ball when double teamed. And Jalen Brown was like, oh shit, somebody got to do this. <laughs> like even, even in some of the bad shots, like there was a couple of Euro steps there. Where I'm like that, that third step is coming down. You might want to let that go. And he did. Like he was forceful enough. Defensively, you know what he is. The moment I, and speaking of Sway in the Bay, the first time I ever heard Jalen Brown talk was with Jalen Rose and, and Sway. Uh, on shade 45. It was the rookie uh, you know, not orientation, but like the rookie draft process. And they were taking him around promo runs and all that. And it was what he was here in the city of Chicago doing that interview, I believe, with them, you know, and, and swaying them around New York, if I'm not mistaken. But I heard him talk and I'm like, that dude, I saw him play a cow, right? You know, freshman year, you knew who he was, and you're like, all right, this is a one and done cat. Let me check him out. But that dude, didn't waver as a 18, 19 year old being interviewed and questioned on a huge platform. And that kind of stuff, like I know, you know, I know you may think, uh, whatever, you know, it it just, it's confirmation bias now that he's good. No, that dude understands who he is and he understands who he is on the basketball court too. That's why when the Kyrie Irving thing happened, Jalen Brown was like, nah, man, we ain't going. I don't care who you tell people you are. Like, this is who I am. And this doesn't feel right. So if it was going to come down to it, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were going to be the guys like Ben Simmons and, and and Joel Embiid. Like, all right, are they ever going to win together? Are you going to have to split these guys up? And Jalen Brown fills in all the gaps that Jason Tatum sometimes leaves empty. And when Jason Tatum goes crazy for 40 points or defends Kevin Durant at a high level, Jalen Brown seemingly is still doing the Jalen Brown stuff. So, yeah, man. I hope Boston kids who are 11, 12, 13 years old watching Jalen Brown understand that that dude right there has kind of been a winning player the entire time. He just had to figure out, and they also had to figure out when the winning was going to happen. Like, I'm jazzed about this series. and And even more so because as a Bulls fan, that team, there's so many different ways to skin a cat, but that team drafted a couple of players off of a ridiculous trade <laughs> for the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and them boys, right? They drafted a few, like a, two of those picks became Jalen Brown and, and and Jason Tatum. They built this thing through the draft and then, you know, filtered in little pieces. And when those pieces didn't work, they got them up out of there, right? We talked to Jim Murray about it. You know, Kemba Walker, sweet guy, was on one leg the moment he left Charlotte. When you start hearing about guys going over to Germany and getting, you know, different routines and blood spinning and all that, you know, the time is, is getting ready to be up. And Kyrie Irving, that thing flaked out the way seemingly this Brooklyn thing may. So now where are you? You're still with those core dudes, the cats that came through the mud with it. And that's why I think Bulls fans, you know, Hurrying up to get rid of Zach, I understand, you know, Max Player, now years eight through what, 12 are going to be on that knee with a whole bunch of money, but there's something to be said for the dudes who actually got through it. Like, I haven't liked the last few years that the most talkative and most um, forceful and demonstratively forceful guys out there on the court in terms of communication have been the newest cats on the roster whether it be Tristan Thompson, Thaddeus Young, now DeMar DeRozan, like, hey man, at some point, you know, your voice has to come from somewhere and I think you're seeing Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum finally, not just finding their skill level, but finding their voice out there. Like, those dudes stared down Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Steve Kerr, and the Golden State Warriors in Chase Center where they haven't lost a home game this year after a 20-some-odd point quarter by the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Like, that that means something. That was huge tonight. I, I'm looking forward to all seven games of the series because I think the Warriors about to come out here and clap their ass next game, boy. The Warriors about to go back to the lab. Draymond Green is bad, by the way. He is. I, I, I listen. I understand all the, you know, you get the and one and you flex. And Kevon Looney, as good as Kevon Looney was tonight, that's as bad as Draymond Green was tonight. They offset each other. Out there, Draymond Green is the perpetual he with us. You know, anytime he catches and shoot it, he with us. (laughs) Let's go the other way. Let's, yeah. Like, and trust me, I'm saying that because I've heard that many a time on the catch. I'm like, come on, man, y'all going to, like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> it's the worst when the ball is being rotated to you and you hear he with us. It's like, damn, I can't even, like, I'm immediately going to have to pass this, huh? I can't even get a triple threat. You motherfuckers just hate me, huh? <laughs> you know? Like, your friends can be the worst people alive during pickup basketball games. Like, the same dudes like, ah oh, man, love, good to see you. And then you get the ball, they on the other team. That's the worst motherfucker in this gym. Take the <laughs> ball from him now. It's like, bro. Oh, yeah, ain't no friends out here. Ain't no friends it's out here. Like, like, hey, man, the fucking kids play together. Like, <laughs> you know, like, do we, we want to take it to the babies? Because I, you know, I can get on your kid. My kid's special. <laughs> My kid, you know, counting by fives to 100. <laughs> your kid is 12 and still can't walk straight. You know what I mean? Like, you know. But I digress. Game one of the NBA Finals, a blast. Tony Gill, Jesse Lopez. Your thoughts before we hand it on over to Jason Benetti, because damn it, that was that was a lot of fun, man. I, like I like it when things live up to what I expect them to be, and I picked the Celtics, so I, I was right, and that makes me even happier. But that was <laughs> some fun tonight. Oh yeah, man, that's high level basketball inject in my veins. I need seven of them, boys. Like off Hell top, yeah. I need seven of them. Um, yeah. That's, that's, this is why the game is, this is why it's my favorite sport. When it's played by, by elite players at playing smart team basketball, it just looks different from any other sport. It's beautiful. It's poetry. Um, and, and to your point about what Draymond was, that's what Marcus Smart refused to be tonight. He was making his open shots and was like, you're not just going to leave me. You know, open like that. And he took and, advantage. And, and when he went to the bench, they, they didn't lose much with Peyton Pritchard out there. Like, yep. he was he was running that team as he has all year long. Like, the Celtics a lot deeper. Derek White was outstanding, Oh, dude. You talking about like pickups and, and you know? Derek train, White training was, pickups? was defending. Ste- like, Steph Curry went one for six after that explosion, if I'm not mistaken. He finished seven for 16. So, yeah, man. <laughs> that shit, like, that was... That was a clinic on how to take a punch and then give one back. Like they beat them forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter of an NBA Finals game at Chase Center. That's that's high level, man. That's high level. That's high level. Jesse, I know you're always used to it because you know you you're a Laker dude and you know you're used to seeing outstanding play and championships. And you know, shout out to Bean, rest in peace. But you know, I know you're used to this kind of basketball, you know, Tony and I, we, you know, I, I was a child coming up when Mike was doing his thing, you know, 16, 17 years old, you know, Tony was a mere infant. So, you know, I gotta, we gotta have a moment for oh, the guy, course. you know, the guy who's had like three of the greatest big men of all time is you know, and, and, and wear his colors and now, you know, one of the top three, four players of all time at the end of his career wearing your colors and that you'll probably get somebody else. Maybe Zach Levine will be a Laker here soon and you can enjoy his exploits as well. But what'd you think of the game tonight, brother? I mean, I, I, I can't really say anything different
1: than Tony said. I think he summarized it pretty good. I That's all I want is good, entertaining basketball because like you said, as a Laker fan... I'm not rooting for the Celtics. I'm rooting for the Warriors. I got the Warriors in six. <laughs> but I will not lie to you if I say that they they can win. And God, I hate that. I hate the fact that I can say that. I <laughs> <laughs> as a Lakers fan, truthfully. But I, as long as the games wound up like this, I mean, I can't complain too much. Because I thought yeah. it was going to be a route, especially when that first quarter when Steph just oh. came out hot. I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. Here we yeah. go. But it wound up hey, being entertaining and then... Jesse,
0: my fiance, we were watching the game. She was like,
2: Why are they leaving him open? <laughs> Everybody in the fucking arena was asking man. Everybody who watches the NBA back, I it was it was an egregious, like Kevon Looney like brush screen on the transition. And Marcus Smart was like, I'll go under this and meet Steph Curry on the other side. And Steph was like, What the what the fuck are you doing? Like like Steph was like, wait a minute. That like, is there a foul? Has something been called? Like, is there is somebody running the court? Is there a reason why the play should stop? Because it should stop, so we could isolate Marcus Smart going under a screen <laughs> on Stephen Curry. Like that's the defensive then, play
0: of the year. That's the defensive play of the year.
2: It uh, It was it was egregious. Like and and you saw it was like the third one too. So it was like okay, now he's, now he's, it's butter now, now, now he's gonna pull up from the logo, now he's doing all the tricks. And let me say this too, let me say this, because I, you know, I'd be remiss because I was going crazy over here on the couch, and and Pia was like, yeah. that I think that's as animated as she's seen me in our relationship, right? So she was like, you know, she was looking at me, I was being super childish, like I'm in here talking king shit, because- the Gold State Warriors in this entire thing have been phenomenal, one of the great dynasties in NBA history, but they're one of the greatest front running teams of all time. Of all time. And it's cool to be that sometimes, right? Like, because you can technically say that Tiger Woods is one of the greatest front runners of all time. Like, once Tiger got it, it's, you know, you put it to bed. But the difference is these boys have been dancing and shimmying and talking shit for a decade now, right? And they do it a lot when they're ahead because they have been ahead, because they will bludgeon you to death with the skill that has been unmatched and probably won't be matched. Like that, you know, you we're gonna look back on the time that Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, and, and Steph Curry were on the same team in terms of shooting. Like we were feeling it and enjoying it while it was happening. We're gonna look back on it and realize the cheat code that this franchise had, right? They have been doing this for a long time. They're the only team who turning the ball over doesn't matter. Like, the equalizer that is the three-point shot and how they bent the rule in half, like, yo, this is what it is. They're going to beat you because they can do this better than anybody can. And when they're not hitting them and at the end of the, you know these careers, these dudes are taking a lot of shots, man. Like... You know, Steph Curry, even in these outbursts that we see, remember five years ago and how this was like every other night? Now it's like 10, 13 times a year. Like, oh shit, Steph is doing like, just like any dunker, right? Where we see these explosive dudes and like, oh man, he got up that last time. But remember when he used to do it every night? Like, it's the same thing with shooters. It, It takes a lot for Steph Curry to be Steph Curry physically. So when it's not falling, it's in long periods of time. Like he went one for six after that first outburst. When that shit stopped, I thought immediately back to um, the last dance documentary with Michael with the cigar in the bat, sitting in his locker, talking about BJ Armstrong and that Charlotte Hornets team, saying, Hey, man, it takes a real man to talk shit when you're behind. Anybody talks shit when they're tired or ahead. Real men separate themselves when they're behind. And Celtics didn't talk shit, but they did not waver. There was not a a stitch of panic on them boys' faces. And this is the inexperienced team. And I think the Warriors are like, oh, okay. All right. Like this it's one of those like, oh, okay, this is what we're dealing with. We ain't just going, you know, this ain't the Mavericks, right? Where you're like, Oh, at this, at that, but in your head, you know, all right, let's let's stop playing here and knock these boys on out. That ain't happening with these boys. I am looking forward to it, man. I am looking forward to it, especially as a Bulls fan, because it's moves can be made, right? But in the end, how tough are you? And and what did you learn? from the from the bumps on the head, right? Anybody can walk around with just a lumpy head. <laughs> you got your ass whooped. That's all that means. What are you learning from the bumps on your head? And I think you're seeing it with that's like you saw tonight, the Celtics game one. That's the Celtics team that two years ago, shit, the beginning of this year, wasn't there. They learned from the bumps, right? And and then it's paid off. So I'm looking forward to it. If they can win a game like this, by that margin, in the fourth quarter, with their best player, a burgeoning superstar in Jason Tatum, scoring, what, 12 points? Shout out to Al Horford, too, man. Like, if that dude if that dude gets an NBA championship, there would be few people who I would be happier for. When I was in Atlanta, was a complete gentleman, treated me A1. Um, really, really enjoyed covering him. And, you know, that's another cat I heard, Nick Ridenbow, talking about it. Al Horford winning championship. That's a Hall of Famer for your ass. So please believe it. Uh but yeah, Bulls fans, take it in, enjoy it, because this is what it has to be. You know, now that calibration has is you know is happening and it's setting in and new expectations are 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 a vibe now. Yeah. All right. It's more than expectations. It's the dudes being tougher than the circumstances. And that's what happened in game one of the NBA finals between the Celtics and the Warriors. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
2: Socks Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And
1: the Socks are winners in a
2: thriller. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Cast of handsome characters right here. Sheesh. My God. This is for sports. Thank thank God we all had a calling, right? You know? I mean, I'm not talking about Jason Benetti, obviously. But boy, I know when I jump on this microphone and see these beautiful faces, I know there is a God. I know there is Hey,
0: (laughs) for a better face, please scan the QR code. (laughs) Right, right. right.
2: And then I just have Gordon Beckham in the background saying, scan it. Walk up to your TV right now and just scan it.
0: (laughs) Just do it. Do it or I'll fly to you and teach you the wrong way to say insurance.
2: Oh dude, dude. So don't don't get me started because I have been made fun of by many people for how I pronounce like umbrella <laughs> instead of umbrella and ambulance instead of ambulance. You know what yep. I mean? So when I when I hear insurance, anytime I hear insurance, I got to tell you this JB and we just start recording here on the Full Go podcast cuz there's no need for all the the pretty intros. I'll do that in the in the post production whatever the hell we call it here. But I you and Gordon are quickly becoming, uh, one of my like top five favorite TV shows because I don't watch a lot of TV. I fall asleep on a lot of it. My fiance gets mad that we can't ever start a series and finish it, but I'll be damned. You and Stoney, the truth. Don't give me like, listen, Stoney is like the Mount Olympus of, of what we, what we have, uh, taken in here in this city. But you and Gordon have this vibe and this feel of, Hey, uh, they let us do this game together. So you want to have a little fun and then just get back to regular life afterwards? Like the all that reference yesterday that completely was missed by Gordon Beckham because he didn't grow up with the same kids that we grew up as, but he picked up and he was like, hey, I got a little something for you here that you probably won't be recognizing because you're not a major league baseball player. Like I'm really, really enjoying the vibe while watching some average baseball, JB. Hey, thank you for that. And thank you for the, the compliment on the
0: baseball too. My, my favorite thing that happened in the last couple days as we're taping it, it was yesterday. But Gordon, there was, there was this one moment he was doing like a sponsored replay, like Xfinity replay or something like that. And he said, Andrew Vaughn hit the ball off the facade. And he was like, he was like sounding out facade. Like like he was like he was Oscar the Grouch or something, right like letters are bouncing across the screen. <laughs> he <laughs> and became Jace uh, Goff. <laughs> yeah, I could. <laughs> they, Gordon Beckham brought to you by the number fifteen and the letters G and B. Like it was, I couldn't as he was doing it. I couldn't help but go, ha! I like, yeah. I like, I just straight up laughed at him, and it was amazing. Like, and then he brought it back later, and the way he said it. I don't know if you're watching. He sounded like he was a tropical bird. Like,
2: <laughs> Fakad! 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 He's a, he's a glorious man with a glorious <laughs> head of hair. Oh, man. How are you doing, brother? How are you? I'm great. I'm really
0: good. I'm, I'm like, I, look, it's honestly, it's really hard knowing. This is the hardest part for me of this season. I like to have fun with baseball. I like to enjoy every day. I like to bring something new every day and have some laughs. And the idea that we come on TV and there's a chance there's going to be disappointment because of expectations really sits with me. And I'm not saying like I'm crushed when I go home. That's not the deal. I just hate... Bringing something other than happy to people. Yeah. And when there were no expectations, we got to be happy because of what was coming. And I'm going to be happy regardless. But I do know that that's not exactly what people always want when there have been expectations and the season's hard. And that is something that I wrestle with i wouldn't say i struggle with it because i know who i am and i know what i want to do every night and that is bring some semblance of joy even in a tough game but the difference of expectations is like it's it's like a human it's like a human sitting in the booth with us and and that is something that i've never really experienced in the
2: same way that's amazing because now you know I learned to watch baseball through other people as a kid, right? Like basketball and football kind of was always around me, but I, and to this day, I have, there are certain things that I am severely insecure about when it comes to baseball that I'm waiting to learn from, you know, not just the analysts, but also the fans that are around me, right? And when I watch, and then when I feel, and then when I digest and then have to talk about it, I'm in the mix of, there's 162 of these. So these two or three can't, you know, I can't ride the rail on it. But also, if your sensibilities are offended or if something is, is needling you a little bit and you're like, all right, do I feel comfortable in, in throwing this out there because I know tomorrow could be a different day? Like the, the Danny Mendick play. This man had a terrific game, right? He played well. But in that instance, when Danny Mendick just needed to do what was necessary, he tried to do what was more, and whether it's on Daryl Boston, whether it's on Danny Mendick, whether you could go, hey Tony Russo's, you know he's got the the run of this thing. So if they're running in the outs, it should be on him. I got I I find it. I find it very reactionary but that's what we are as fans and I feel like I should be speaking above that even though I'm learning through the fans that I'm listening to and also the 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 observance of you guys on the on the broadcast it's it's um it's a weird vibe I I'm glad you put it that way about it being like a human sitting with you because the expectations they raise and they dip and they they settle and all of a sudden you have to recalibrate them I just this is a very weird season so far and all the injuries are Not excuses, but they're happening, but running in the outs are also happening. So it's just, I don't know where to place this right now. No, and it was fascinating last night, Jason, to be honest, two things.
0: Number one, on the Danny Mendick play, I'm fascinated by the psychology of it. Because you go down to AAA and then you come back and you go down and he's had, what, 23 at-bats when he had come back up as of Tim's injury. And he wants to make a play. Right. And so there's this, there's this combination of you want to make a play. You also know that your offense has been, you know, borderline listless at points this year. And so you want to do the thing that you think adds value to you in Major League Baseball, which is taking an extra base. And so when you peel that away, it's exactly what you want the Danny Mendick of your team to do, just not them. Like it's. Tony said after game, it's a good waiting. play. Yeah, it's not not now though. But you can't say that to somebody who's just in the lineup. Like circumstances came together to force uh, cosmically Danny Mendick into that spot. It's like Bryce Harper. I had Bryce in AAA. And one of the things people said about him when he came to the major leagues was he's gotta stop running into walls. Like he's gonna hurt himself running into the right field wall. And going at a breakneck pace and all that stuff. And I'm telling you, knowing Bryce Harper, even in the little I knew him, that's not like he thinks his value is not listening to you. That's what he thinks his value is. I got here doing this shit this way. (laughs) Right. I got that. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm better than the person who got drafted one four. Right. And so that's ultimately fascinating and the other fascinating part about last night's game as as we're taping this is um the Sox felt like an underdog again yesterday and i've been watching them as favorites all year and i think the fans have too you pull tim anderson out of the lineup and it hit me in like the third inning and i said it that this would be one of those stretches of nine games whatever it is against the blue jays and rays and dodgers that it's total baseball nonsense for them to go like five and four, six and three, but they might, right? right? Like if you're playing as a favorite who's underperforming, you could flip it on even right when your shortstop gets hurt. And I don't think that's eternal optimism. I think that's just aggression or regression to the mean. Like that could just happen in this series. And it tried to last night.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of the... We, we look at all these, like, points of demarcation in the season where it's like, all right, five times. It used to be five times through a rotation. And you know what I mean? now, you know, 80, 81 games in, all right, you now, now we're talking about what you truly are. And then you see these outliers where you got the A's winning, like, 27 of the last 31 games a few years ago. And you're like, I don't want to count on that. I don't want to depend on that. But if any game where some weird shit is going to happen, it happens in baseball. and I. the new information people, right? Where it's like, you said this. And they're like, yeah, but we got new information. Like this Tim Anderson thing is, I think a lot more troubling than I'm giving it credit for right now, because I think we've seen Tim Anderson grow into a superstar, but we've seen it happen incrementally. Like, this wasn't fresh out the pan. This guy is going to be an MVP candidate every year. So now that we've seen it gradually grow and we understand his his majesty over the baseball diamond and what he means to this organization when it's being plucked out of it, I don't know that I've given as much credence not just to his importance but to how good he actually is. Like I I I I hashtag my shortstop all the time last 3 years or so, but when he's not in there or when something is going on like the Josh Donaldson thing, like you you truly realize this dude is his His eras, you know, Frank Thomas, Maglio Ordonez, you know, that that, that guy that if you're watching Sox baseball as a 12 to 15 year old right now, this is your dude. And snatching him out of that lineup for the next three weeks, I just, I don't know how I'm going to remain as confident as I think I should just because of how talented this team is.
0: Mark Brady and I were talking on the plane, the, the producer who got profiled in the, in the paper a couple of weeks ago. is a fantastic guy and he's lived a lot of Chicago sports. It's Brady's great. We were t- <laughs> it, it, what you just said reminded me of a conversation he and I were having and it wasn't in the context of this, but it just put two things together for me. He was talking about those teams in the 90s and the Blackjack McDowell and the Frank Thomas. Like He would be like, he said Blackjack, Blackjack won every night and then Frank got a hit or a walk every night. What you're talking about is trust, right? Like as a fan, you build that trust in all the games that you watch, right? And I'm watching all of them because that's my deal. And so I know the numbers of somebody's gonna succeed or fail. When you're jumping in as a fan, it's all trust. It, and there are, there are, when you grow up watching a team, you definitely say, oh, when he's up, he's getting a hit. And Tim Anderson's that guy. When he's up, he's getting a hit. And this team has not had enough when he's up, he's getting a hit, guys. I think Jose Abreu is that for Sox fans, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, oddly enough, the amount of double plays he hits into because of how hard he hits the ball on the ground... I think might be one of those things that rolls around in people's minds and probably shouldn't, but the sheer volume of games he's played, he has all these outcomes. But I think Abreu is like that. And I think Tim Anderson is like that. And I think everybody else just either hasn't been around for long enough or doesn't have that pedigree. But I do believe Andrew Vaughn is getting there to be the guy where you say, dude, I want him up. I want him up because he's going to give me a good at bat and he's probably going to get you a hit. And so I think it's, it's really interesting for fans right now with Tim out because you look at the lineup and you're like, who do I want up? Not numerically, but who does my gut want up? And that is not the way I watch the game anymore.
2: Andrew Vaughn and Jake Berger right now.
0: <laughs> and Jake Berger, right? And like, who do I want the ball to get hit to? It's Adam Engel and Jake Berger
2: yeah. right now. Yeah. To me, yeah. I know
0: he had the error on Sunday, but like he's playing a heck of a third base at this point. And so it's just been a very confusing season for the senses. Like for the gut of watching a, a team, this has been all over the place. And it's fascinating, but I do not like bringing sad to people's houses. Huh? And and that, and but you can't, if you're being realistic about the
2: team, there's part of that in there. There, yeah. there just is. Yeah, it's interesting striking that balance, right? Like I remember... Uh, Being on the radio and then getting this TV gig and people like, oh, you got to go at it differently, don't you? And I'm like, no, I, I thought I was fair on the radio and I think I'm being fair on TV. And it always helps when you have a coach who says exactly what's going on, because then you can just say, hey, listen to the coach. In this situation, you're around these guys you're around um, the ebbs and flows of the season, you know when when the clubhouse is doing, like you're around the clubhouse when it's not doing well and they're winning, right? Because there are moments like that and people don't believe that when you're behind the scenes, like, yeah, these dudes aren't having the best time in there with each other, but they're, they're actually doing their jobs. And then you're around clubhouses that are having a great time together and nobody's doing their job. So, as As you roll around with this team, as you move with this team and you're you're with a couple of guys who have been in those clubhouses and Steve Stone and Gordon Beckham, how do you infuse that into the broadcast without giving away the details of what's sacred in there?
0: yeah, it's it's where it's where my optimism lies. I mean, I think I'm an optimistic person in general mm-hmm. because, like, look, honestly, truly, If you win the next 119 games, you're the best team that ever played Major League Baseball. It's not going to happen. But like, that's what baseball is. It's there for you. It's there. It's playable. Nine guys get a couple bad pitchers here and there, and you start whacking the ball like the Blue Jays. They won six in a row from 500. I think where you hear that in the telecast is I really, truly feel like there's the undercurrent of a winning team in that clubhouse and a winning spirit in that clubhouse. If I thought that was a gloom and doom clubhouse, you would hear me express things differently. And there might be a little bit more surprise when there were those moments in the dugout of camaraderie. That exists on this team. This team still, and not in a cocky way, but in the way that you have to believe that you're still a favorite, even when you're an underdog with injuries and the place you've put yourself in in the first two months of the season. I think there's the undercurrent of a winning group and a winning culture, he says, right, um, right. <laughs> disappointed in himself. But like that's what it is. There's a combination and a collective of people that feels like a winning group. And that's why I think this next month, month and a half is really important because if they are in striking distance of the Twins on August 1, I still think they're going to win the division even with the warts. I really do. Yeah, Twins ain't running away from anybody. Um, I don't think they have the pitching to do it. I mean, I I do think part of the reason the Sox started the way they did last year, though, is that the Twins had a bad year. If the Twins play eight games better last year, and four of those are White Sox games, it's not a runaway. So part of what the Sox did at the beginning of the year last year for me is that the Twins just weren't good.
1: Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Hey guys, this is Guillen, and you are listening to the full go with Jason Goff on the Ringer
2: in his spotify five. Yoan Mankata, uh his importance it, it seemingly like since he's arrived into what he is going to be, right? Like we're we're, we're settled into okay, this is what Johan's going to provide. Um he he's been hurt And there's been a nagging something. Even when he's been healthy, he said, I've been fighting something. Him, Luis Robert Eloy Jimenez. Uh, When you talk about injuries in a baseball clubhouse, you know, we don't talk about them the way we do football injuries or basketball injuries, because those are soft tissue stuff sometimes, and guys just can't go with groins and all that. But the grind of a 162-game season and how long and how arduous it is— The injuries, how big a factor are they, and how do clubhouses and organizations steer away from using them as as an excuse, even though they're right there for you? I think every
0: basketball, football, baseball person I have ever run into who says, I'm not going to use this as an excuse, is also going home and punching a wall and saying, we don't have as much of a chance. (laughs) <laughs> Which, like, you know, in in my industry, Seinfeld has said it. I, I think I said it to you at one point. But like, if you're funny, you're on stage, and if you're not, you're not. Like, it's a great equalizer, right? Like, are you are you a good baseball team or aren't you? Are you a good announcer or aren't you? Like, people are gonna hire you once, and then if you're funny uh, as a stand-up, you're gonna get hired again. That's it. So like, you are or you aren't. But yeah, like using Moncada, uh, losing losing him and Eloy and Tim and. You're not supposed. I had I had a Yankee game last year working from home, one of those Statcast games, and like I don't remember who all was out, but it was like Judge, Stanton, LeMahieu. and you're like, I love you, Mike Talkman. Like you're a good dude, but you're not Aaron Judge, right? <laughs> and Mike would agree. Yeah, like that <laughs> he would. Like that Ryan Lamar was in that lineup, and I think Ryan Lamar is a good dude. Like he watches some of my college basketball games. Great stuff, but like. He's not Giancarlo Stanton. And so the thing you have to do is say like, all right, how can we with this remainder, and, and it's demeaning to call them a remainder because I've lived in the minors for 10 years and I know how hard it is to, to play one day. Like, You can get blocked by somebody that really stinks actually. Like, there's mm-hmm. somebody in center field, and you're like, I'm not on the 40 man, and this guy's playing. You're literally not in the major leagues because of accounting.
2: Well, so, oh, I talked to Doug Lanville about it yesterday, and he brought yeah, up his yeah. AAA manager. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people will block you just because they don't like you, or whatever the case may be, and that, that might stop your way to the majors. So, yeah, there are very few bums in, in fan terminology. There are very few bums after a certain level of filtration, and that's probably like after high school or D1 be, uh, baseball itself. I think that's right. And
0: so, like, I don't, I don't want to save the remainder, but like, when, when you have guys in the order that you don't expect to be playing 150 games and creating a powerhouse lineup, you're kind of stuck and the answer is either in the minors in a trade or like a a level of development that is atypical in that short of a window right like can i turn player x into a power hitter just for the next three months by doggedly working at the swing that that doesn't happen normally it happens in an off season with like justin turner so it's weird, but over the course of a baseball season, you have 162 chances to get better. But do you have the time and the the opportunity to sit with yourself and re-examine a swing or a, you know, like Lucas Giolito did his stuff from 18 to 19 in the off season. You have more time on the field in season, but you could argue that there's less time to get better because it's not focused practice. It's like, the routine and the rhythmic almost punch in, punch out of of a factory job that it doesn't lead to major overhauls over the course of the actual year because you're trying to win.
2: Yeah, you're fine-tuning instead of working on your art. Makes all That's the sense right, in the that's world. right. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, of the things that can be kind of retuned, refined, whatever you want to call it on this team, and we talk about defensive efficiency numbers and how if you just look at errors and field percentage, the socks are fine. But if you look at the defensive efficiency, the outs that, you know, teams are making, they're not making for whatever reason. Um, injuries, you, you, they come and go. You got to deal with them. What, what can be, what can be raised? What, what can we see that is material that will manifest itself out there on the diamond there? We're like, all right, this team, 40 games in, this was shaky. XYZ was shaky, but this changed or this can change. Like, what do you see out there that you're like, all right, whether it be base running, defensively, thinking the game, uh, situational hitting, like what 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 can change, what will change? You think in these next 40 game sample that we're gonna get? I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying
0: something trite, and then tell you like uh, talk about I think how it might affect a team positively beyond that. I mean, extra base hits wallpaper over everything right? Like Alejandro Kirk hits two home runs, and the Blue Jays are really, really good, right? Like that, that is true. But I will say flowing from that, and I know any, any fan can say that, like, I'm not huge on the small ball stuff, because I think nobody cares about that. If you're hitting three homers a game, they really don't. They really don't, and it's a it's a more fun game to watch when get them over, get them in, all that stuff. And you wanted that run last night, and I totally get that. But if somebody hits a three run homer in the eighth inning, nobody cares at all. It's a great fixer. But I do think if this offense starts to produce in that way, and there are guys that are doing as Rick says back of the baseball card, right. But like if they're doing what they're doing power wise, or expected to do power wise, you can then play a little bit more defensive a lineup. In the corner outfield, right? So so if if the offense is really starting to kick up dust and Robert's hitting home runs and Vaughn's hitting home runs, then maybe Gavin Sheets DH's a little bit more than he plays right field, or maybe Vaughn DH's and you put AJ Pollock and angle at the corners and you have Robert in center, then your 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 outfield got better. You know, maybe it's Uh, you know, Moncada comes back. I still think they might kick the tires on Jake Berger at second second, base. I still think so. Just because it, it fits so easily, right? If he hits like he does and you've got a gap there, all that stuff. Making plays.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I do think Tim's a better shortstop than he had played the first month of the season. I think he started to show that too. So I think, If you start hitting home runs, you can play a little bit more of a defensive outfield and you can get into that position. But they've played so many close games. Tony has not been as able slash willing as he, you know, last year, you could set your clock by it. They'd go up in the seventh inning and there'd be a new right fielder or left fielder or, you know, whatever position you want to do. Mm -hmm. Eloy would come out or whoever in right would come out. He would just do that. And that was easy because you're up. When you're 2-2, you kind of have to have the bat in the lineup.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, man, I know you got to run because you're you're prepping, doing your thing. It's 12.30 on Wednesday as we're taping this, uh, and he's such a professional because he mentioned a couple of times he wanted to make sure it was dated that he was saying as we're taping. This is why Jason Benetti is the best in the business. Uh, What do you got planned for the rest of the day before the game? Well, first of all, they teach you that at broadcaster school. (laughs) It's a fantastic
0: uh, course. They teach you timeliness oh and God. podcasting.
2: You're, you're, taking, you're taking me back to that 101 class that I walked out of. And now we're going to work on our radio voices. Oh, yeah? I'm going to go to the Munchie truck and see if I can get a game at the wreck. This is not for me
0: right here. <laughs> no, my, my deal with that was like, I'm just going to do impersonations of all the other people. So, like, I don't have a whatever. I just do, like, Sports Center brought to you by Cinnabon. Oh, shit.
2: <laughs> I can't look at you and do that. I can't. I can't. Impersonations. If you want to get me giggling like a child, it's not on a stage or anything like that. It's like one-on-one like this. I can't. can't. (laughs) Remember the movie phone guy? Yes. Oh, dude. I used to call movie phone just to hear the voice. I didn't want to know what was playing at Lincolnwood Town Center. I just wanted to hear the voice. I wanted to see if I can get that. I have always had. I used to. Know, I'm going I'm to tell them myself right now. I used to hate people with, who could do impersonations because I couldn't. And I would just be like, yeah, you're impersonating people because you don't have a personality of your own, right? That's what I would tell myself in my head. And then I'd be like, oh, shit. I wish I could do Fat Albert and all those voices that Bill Cosby could do. Come to find out, I probably don't anymore. You know? Yeah, So that's right. It, yeah, there it is.
0: So so the the bit we do as a crew... Uh, that we started doing is I really like when the sports center guy has to name a product that's new at a chain restaurant that nobody would really eat. So when he says things like brought to you by Applebee's new Apple jacks encrusted walleye, <laughs> like for a limited time, right? Like no. So, so we do like product plus things like, like, TGI Friday's new Count Jocula
2: Sirloin.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> JB, I love you, man. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, I don't even want to know what you're doing for the rest of the day now. I'm just going to go back and listen to this and laugh a little bit and hope that people get the enjoyment out of it that I did. As always, man, I appreciate your time. Looking forward to talking to you again.
0: <laughs> Thank you for the great conversation for the laughs. And what I'm doing the rest of the day is that bit. There like just
2: workshopping is. that. Work on it. Work on it, man. Work work a chicken dish in there somewhere. Make make and and don't think I don't hear what you and Gordon Beckham are doing on that show. <laughs> like I I pick up on every one of them. We ain't even gonna point it out. I pick up on every single one of them. Like these two motherfuckers are crazy, <laughs> but I love them for. I appreciate you, man. Tell tell Gordon I said what's up. I will, Jason. Thank you, Jason vanetti right here on the Full Go Podcast. And as I mentioned in our opening segment, I believe the Golden State Warriors are going to come back with a vengeance in game two. So I'm going with the same game parlay on FanDuel Sportsbook. I am going with the Golden State Warriors minus four, and I'm going to keep this over 215 and a half. And I'm also going to go with the Golden State Warriors winning by one to 10. That's plus 170 to round out that $10 same game parlay. 10 bucks, ladies and gentlemen. Check this out. $10 will yield you $69.75. You can't beat it. So, the same game parlay is the Golden State Warriors minus four. I'm taking the over in, in game two, 215 and a half, and plus 170, by the way. Golden State Warriors win margin one through 10. So, I got you on that. 10 bucks gets you almost 70 right there on FanDuel Sportsbook.
1: It's the full gold
2: That's all the time we have for episode 111. Triple one. so the full goal for Jason Goff brought to you by the ring. And of course, Spotify is the game. We want to say thank you to our guest, Jason Benetti. And by the way, we taped it right before game two. So don't come at him and say, why are you so you know light on the socks after they got their asses kicked by the Blue Jays? He didn't know he was getting ready for game two. That's why we were talking about joyous things. So thank you to my man, Jason Panetti, for jumping on. As always, our production staff, the great, the great production staff here that we have, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti, and of course, the actor Jesse Lopez. My main man, Tony Gill, as well. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff, thanking you for listening to, downloading, subscribing to, sharing, rating, reviewing, whatever you do for this podcast. We are glad that you are doing it. We'll catch you on episode 112. We'll be talking more White Sox Cubs baseball. And of course, we'll have another game to talk about in the NBA Finals. So we'll have that and more for you right here on the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ring. And of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. And be safe.